Good morning, good afternoon, good day. Usually uh, Kat would start in with like her good morning and welcome listeners, blah, blah, blah. Um, Gonna get started recording and we're also recording live on LX2 or Luna X2 LLC on Instagram and um, just kind of reorienting myself to the world because I was taking a nap because that's what you do when you're retired and you don't have a set schedule. <laughs> um, I did go for coffee this morning. I do have a guest uh, in town, so that's kind of fun. We did some exploring yesterday and uh, I tried some new food and went to some new places, uh, which has been kind of fun and nice to try new things. Saw the Acropolis Museum again yesterday, which I absolutely love. Uh, it's kind of nice that it's like right here and one bus ride away to be able to go and see all the cool things that I love about um, the history in Athens. And so uh, I tried to let the people know on the street that we're going to be recording. They give no fucks, and so they're going to make all the noise possible right now. Um, I did want to follow up on last week's podcast a little bit, talking about the myth of family and how to kind of set some boundaries and, and what that looks like in terms of how you feel when you want to set a boundary. Um, and then I did post an a Instagram question, and so we'll talk a little bit about that today too as well. Um, but one of the follow-ups I had gotten after the podcast last week was kind of what do you do with your feelings uh, and certainly how that big part of your identity when you set a boundary or create some limits with the people that you love and especially the people in your family. And so it was really interesting to think about that your identity as a fixer or a pleaser or uh, the yes person, once you start to pull back from that, what do you do with those feelings? And those feelings can be a lot of things, um, not least of which is grief, because you are letting go of or creating space and limits with the people that you love. And you're going to start to grieve the loss of that part of yourself and also those relationships, because that dynamic of being a fixer or being a helper or a caretaker or whatever, um, you got to do something with those. And so a lot of that is going to get to that place of having grace with yourself and having a little bit of patience. It's going to take time um, once you set that limit. And it can, it can be not as harsh as cutting people off, but not doing the things that you're used to doing. And um, I can say for myself, like, you know, answering the phone from a family member that you're used to struggling with setting a boundary is going to look a little bit different because sometimes you're going to answer the phone and be like, oh, what do you need from me? Um, and so, and I, there was a time when, you know, with a certain family member, I would answer the phone, what do you want? What do you want? Uh, which is gross. And obviously the person on the other end of the phone doesn't like that because then they've been identified as someone who wants something from you. Um, so it's, it's a matter of really recognizing how am I feeling? And a lot of times there's usually anger or resentment or sadness when it comes to setting limits with people, especially the people that we care about. And so sometimes that anger and resentment has built up. And, and so when you set that boundary, it's going to be a really harsh boundary. Stay the fuck away from me. 
or I don't want to talk to you anymore, or I'm just going to take some space and I don't want to be where you are. Um, and so when you're doing that, it feels really harsh for you. And so one of the things that I identified is really recognizing how do you feel when you have to set that boundary or, you know, when you feel reactive, a lot of times we're going to feel, um, I don't like who I am when I have to be angry or when I have to set a limit or when I have to tell you to stay back and, and not engage with me. And so part of you taking care of yourself is going to have that awareness and then also to um, give yourself some grace in, you know, once you set the boundary, um, sticking to it. And that's going to be hard because usually that identity of a fixer or a pleaser or the yes person or the person who always bails you out or the person who, you know, takes care of you, that setting that limit and then recognizing this is a big part of who I am. I get a payoff from this. You like me or you love me or you show up and, and you're sweet when I take care of you. If I'm always doing that and then I feel resentful or angry or frustrated, when I take a space from doing that, I'm going to feel weird. It's not going to be organic to who I am because I've been doing it for so long. Um, and so you really have to work on managing that piece without the interaction with the other person and it's helpful to you know talk to your people talk to your therapist um, really start to maybe journal what it's like to take some space from that other person and be okay with it and you're not going to be okay right away like that's it's not this magic bullet that's like if I take a take a beat from you or take some space or don't go pick you up every time you call me or don't lend you money every time you need it, I'm going to feel like a bad person. I'm going to feel like I'm doing something wrong. And then I'm going to start to recognize that I have more time. I have more peace. I'm not always in crisis when I'm taking care of somebody else's crisis. And that's really kind of the, the bigger thing to think about. So if we take family out of the equation and we just think about like, coworkers or, you know, friends or whatever, and people who only need you when they're in crisis, we recognize that we are taking on other people's shit. We're taking on their crisis and then their crisis becomes our crisis, right? And so I think a lot about, you know, like the bosses that we have that are like, hey, I need you to stay late and, you know, finish this project or do this thing. And we want to be amenable. We want to help them out. We want to do those things, but are we doing it at the sacrifice of ourselves? Right. And so, um, really thinking about like, who is the, who are the people that come to you in a crisis? Who are the people that want to make their emergency, your emergency? And then when we start to recognize like my adrenaline goes up, I get really worried. I get overwhelmed. Like every once in a while, a crisis, that's fine. But if it's a constant thing, that is where you probably should set a boundary, where you should probably be like, it seems like you're in crisis a lot. Like maybe you need some problem solving skills. And it's not your job to give that to them. Some people don't even realize that they're in crisis all the time. But when we start to notice patterns with the people in our lives, if they're always in crisis or frustrated or overwhelmed or, you know, coming to you and talking about like their relationship or their money problems or, 
you know, um, whatever it is, really recognizing, like, where is that coming from for you? Because when someone else is experiencing a difficult time in their lives, you want to be supportive. You want to be able to, you know, help them out or, or talk them through it. But if you're doing that regularly and then you feel drained or tired or exhausted after spending time with these people, there's your sign. Like that's your indicator of, you know, the phone lights up and their name comes up and you get anxiety and you're like, oh, what do they want? Um, that's a sign, right? That's a sign that you are spending too much energy. You're spending a lot of your time spinning your wheels and fixing, taking care of, problem solving for someone else especially when we're dealing with adults, right? Like that's, that's the other thing. Some people, not all, but oftentimes our choices are leading to what is creating that crisis problem challenge. And, you know, if you're going through your day and, you know, you're, you've gotten your things taken care of, you're doing everything you need to be doing, and then someone else is coming in with their crisis challenge, difficult thing, you jump right in there with them. And so I, I talk a lot about the idea of like, you know, if somebody's drowning and you're fine, you're on the shore, you're watching them, that's hard to do, especially, you know, if, if they are a family member or a friend, somebody that's really close to you. Our first instinct is, ah, I need to help you. Um, but when it's happening consistently, you got to recognize something about them is like they're choosing, they're creating, they're somehow contributing to their drowning. And that's, that's a really difficult thing because if, if we've been conditioned our whole lives that if someone's drowning, you jump and you save them, that's fine. But also recognizing sometimes that's a lifeguards issue, not a you issue. I am an adequate swimmer. Like I, I can probably not drown, um, but I'm not a very expert swimmer. And so if somebody's drowning, I'm going to get a lifeguard. I'm going to get somebody else to be like, hey, that person's drowning or that person's having a crisis. I am not a doctor. I am not a paramedic. I am not, you know, an attorney to give people like legal advice. I am Stella and I'm a therapist and I'm a therapist only if you are my client. Uh, and we've had an established uh, negotiation of like, this is how much my fees are. This is when your appointment is. There's a lot of rules and limits to my interaction with you. And it's set up that way. But if your family member, coworker, you know, friend is constantly in crisis, they're constantly drowning, then you're going to have to set some rules and expectations around what those interactions look like. If you've grown up and, and your whole life, there's always somebody else's crisis, you don't know how to do that. And it would be really helpful then to learn how to do that. So you're going to have to take a step back and then maybe consult with other people who are like, hey, I'm noticing this pattern. Is that your experience with this human? Um, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. But once you do kind of establish that, you know, somebody from an outside perspective is going, yeah, that seems to happen a lot. They really seem to be, you know, struggling to make decisions to have their life be a little less chaotic. Um, that might not be your job to do. And again, we're talking about adults, but it's also true with like little ones really recognizing, wow, you seem to really struggle every time we get ready in the morning. It is my job to make sure that you get ready in the morning, but also 
to maybe set up some parameters and choices to make that a little easier so that it's not always crisis and chaotic. And really, I use the word crisis and chaotic, and I'm not talking about like some significant thing. Sometimes getting ready in the morning is chaotic, right? I mean, we're in a hurry, we're trying to figure out shoes and breakfast and all those things. With a little kid, you getting up a tiny bit earlier um, and, you know, maybe setting out their clothes or, or limiting their choices um, or making sure that they don't have to put on the brown socks that make them uncomfortable, those are going to minimize the chaos, right? When we're talking about adults, our support can look like it really seems like on Thursday night when you go to happy hour and you leave your car every Thursday at the bar and then I have to come and get you, I know that Friday morning is kind of going to be shitty for me. Friday morning is going to be shitty for you because you're going to be hungover. Um, maybe you call an Uber. Maybe you take an Uber to the bar. Maybe you don't go out on Thursday nights. Um, but your limit and your boundary is going to be, I'm not going to come and get you. And that's going to be a conversation, not Friday morning. It's going to be a conversation on Wednesday or Thursday that says, hey, if you have plans on going out on Thursday, take an Uber to the bar, I'm not gonna come and get you on Friday, um, and I'm also not gonna help you pay your rent on the first. Um, and so that's your opportunity to set a boundary, right? The next piece is gonna be enforcing that. So you may inevitably get a call on Friday morning and you can either avoid the call or reinforce the boundary, right? I'm gonna communicate to you what my limits are, again, I, we had a conversation on Wednesday, you were completely sober, I'm not going to take you to get your car, um, and you're going to feel uncomfortable and icky, and then, you know, once you get in the habit of, this is my friend, I love them, they call me on Friday, I'm either not answering or I'm going to reinforce the limit, they will stop calling. Ugh, here's the hard part, they may stop calling altogether, because they're going to have feelings about you setting a limit or boundary. And you're going to have to manage yourself and recognize what is my value in this, what is their value in my life? How do I feel about setting that boundary or limit? I'm going to be uncomfortable. It's a big part of my identity. Let's say it's your sister or whatever. Um, they, they might be salty at you and you're going to have to be okay with that. The thing is that when we manage or set a boundary from our own perspective, we have to manage ourselves first. You know how in the plane they tell you, if there's ever an emergency and the mask falls down, put your mask on first before attending to the child or the person you're with. That's so you can take care of you, right? And so really recognizing if someone else is in crisis or having a consistent hard time and you're the person they're always turning to, you gotta take care of you first especially when it's draining or creating anxiety or creating frustration. If you're not managing you, are you really of any service to anybody else? And once you start setting the boundary, if they turn away from you, leave you, call you an asshole, whatever, is that really a healthy relationship, right? And so th those are hard things to think about. When I set a limit or boundary with someone else, they might not like you anymore. They might not want to spend time with you. They may only call you in a crisis. And then is that the kind of relationship that you want to have?
right? And, and I'm not saying it's like a them, it is a them problem, but it's not necessarily something they even recognize that they're doing. But if you have created that consistency by showing up in a crisis, taking them to get their car, lending them 20 bucks middle of the week or middle of the month, that you're contributing to that. And so recognize where you're coming from and going, okay, if I love myself, if I am taking care of me, if when I am in my own company, managing my own things, paying my rent on time, not going out on Thursdays, I feel good. And then you come into my experience and I don't feel good. And I am somehow then responsible for taking care of you. I don't like that. It doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't even feel as good as when you like me, when I am taking care of you all the time, right? Because that starts to feel less helpful. It starts to feel less um, genuine when my only worth and value in your experience is to get you out of a crisis, to lend you 20 bucks, to pick you up and pick up your car, to take care of your kids. Like, I don't like that as much as I really like my peace when I don't have to do those things, right? And so starting to pay attention to when do I feel my best about myself and in general? Well, if that's when I don't hang out with so-and-so or I don't have to deal and manage their shit, that's your sign. That's an indicator that maybe a boundary would be a good idea. And then making a habit of setting that boundary and, and not engaging, really consistently recognizing my peace feels better when I am not doing X, Y, Z thing. And if your other person, they're not consistently respecting that limit or boundary, that might be something to evaluate in terms of, is this relationship a good one for me where it's reciprocal, where we're both like getting good things from it. The hard part is that with family or people that, you know, are in our experience in a deeper way than just like a friend or coworker, um, it's harder to like say, I don't like to have family dinner with you. It, it feels kind of gross and, you know, you're always complaining or you're always like needing stuff from me. Um, I don't like who I am when I go to said family thing and, you know, I end up being really grumpy and kind of irritable and end up saying things I don't always want to say. Like, um, I think I mentioned last time, like I stopped going to family functions because I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like feeling like, here I am in the middle of this crisis all the time and I am contributing to it. I don't like me. I don't like how I'm behaving. I'm trying to be, you know, a much kinder, more patient person. And I just end up being frustrated. And so I leave and it's not fun. So I'm just going to not go. And that's what I can control, right? It's helpful if I say to members of my family, hey, I don't like who I'm, who I am when I'm in these family situations, so I'm not gonna go. If you guys wanna hang out like on a different day or if there's less of us or whatever, um, that's mine to manage, right? But increase your self-awareness about how you feel every time somebody is dragging you into their crisis. Increase your awareness of 
how often is this person coming to you with these consistent crises kind of situations? And how do I feel when I set that boundary, right? When I am not engaging with you consistently on these things, which I have done for a long time and I'm not doing it, does that feel better? Does that feel worse? Does it feel weird to not go or to turn off your phone on Friday morning or to, you know, mute the notification or whatever it is? It's going to feel uncomfortable. How do I manage me? Right? And so sometimes that's going to be like, I'm just not going to be available on Friday morning. I'm going to take a spin class or go for a walk or leave my phone on silent and that's one way to do it. The better way is to communicate the boundary ahead of time when they're not drinking, when they're not, you know, doing whatever thing, and then follow through with consistently not doing it. Then pay attention to like how you feel and how that relationship dynamic could change. And it's going to be hard. There will be grief. There will be sadness. There will be discomfort. And that's okay. Those things are actually part of how we set boundaries and then how we consistently maintain them. Um, it does take time. You're going to fall into old patterns. You will be triggered to do those things that you used to do for them um, because we want people to like us. Like That's normal. It is totally within um, appropriate behavior to want people to be around, especially people that we love. But it is not okay for them to consistently encourage that, you know, if you don't feel good when you're around them, when you're having to deal with these crises, then that's not okay. Like, that's where you recognize, I should probably have a boundary here. I should probably recognize how often I feel overwhelmed, irritable, angry, frustrated, because if somebody is constantly needing you, but not really contributing to the relationship in a positive way, that's your indicator. That's a sign, you know, um, and, and especially when it is people that we love and, and we feel obligated to spend time with, um, especially when they're like somebody that lives with you, like your roommate, right? Or your roommate, by that I mean your partner. Um, <laughs> really thinking about like how often is it that when I am in, in the space with my partner, you know, I'm, I'm intuiting their needs. I'm thinking about it all the time. And then I'm grumpy and frustrated and irritable because they're not, you know, kind of contributing back. What are my expectations? Do I expect that if I do these things for you, you should do these things for me? Are you communicating that? Um, are you consistently asking for what you need and are you getting it back? Um, and then, you know, if, if the, the relationship feels out of balance, that might be another opportunity to have a conversation, uh, but not when you're like frustrated and angry and like pissed off. It's going to have to be not in the moment of when these things are happening, but prior to that or after that, really being like, this is how it felt when I have gone consistently for you on Friday morning to take you to get your car or lend you 20 bucks or, you know, whatever it is. And then, you know, you're not there for me well, are you asking for it? Um, or are you saying like, I would really like it. I will, I'm willing to do this thing for you. This is what I need. Um, oftentimes we're not even recognizing what we need, right? 
if you start to see a pattern of like, you're calling me consistently to complain about this thing, behavior, whatever, um, I am listening, you know, we go have coffee. It's something that happens often. I'm there to listen to you about, you know, your boyfriend or your, uh, your work situation or whatever. Um, but it's not changing. Like nothing is different. You may want to set a boundary. Can we talk about something else? Like that would be really helpful. Um, obviously it comes with the conversation. It comes with tact. It comes with like, maybe you should talk to a therapist. That would be a really great boundary to be like, I love you. And I think you're great. I have said to, you know, friends and other people, like I am a therapist. I'm not your therapist. It would be great if you maybe got one. Um, and I've said that like, obviously in a kind way, not always, but sometimes, um, but this is, this is that way to kind of set the boundary consistently follow up with like a habit of, of being like, okay, well, are we, what are we going to talk about? Like what will be our, you know, interaction like, and then really being okay if they're not going to maybe like you in the same way or want to spend time with you in the same way. And you will find that in healthier relationships where there is consistent communication, you're not going to get those negative responses or, or reactions. You're going to get somebody who wants to spend time with you, enjoys, you know, your company outside of you taking care of their crisis. And, you know, they'll come back to the table and be like, you know, I didn't realize that I was doing that every Friday. Maybe I should, like you suggested, take an Uber to the bar maybe not go out every Thursday, you know, in a healthier relationship where there is consistent communication, that's going to be a lot easier to have a boundary with someone who respects it and then kind of reciprocates that same energy. You will find that you have more peace. You have more, um, good feelings about those kinds of relationships when you can communicate a boundary and, follow up on it, you'll find that people will figure out how to manage their crisis and you don't always have to be the fireman doing it. Water. I talk a lot about really recognizing, like, are you putting out fires consistently? And so to kind of go back to the, the coworker or work situation, if your boss or your manager or whatever is like constantly coming at you with, Hey, can you stay late? And you know, Hey, can you do these extra tasks or whatever? Setting boundaries at work is a lot easier because you don't necessarily need them to like you, but you do need them to, you know, respect your position. We are all um, replaceable, obviously. Uh, but if you're having to do these extra things to be liked or supported or whatever, um, the work relationship is a little bit more transactional, right? I show up, I have this list of duties that I'm supposed to do for my job. I'm set within a time. Like I said, that if the rules and boundaries are set up ahead of time, that makes it a lot easier. There are no rules and boundaries when it comes to family unless you set them, right? And so with work, if somebody's like consistently asking you to stay late or whatever, it might be a conversation to be like, hey, it seems like I'm staying late a lot. And, you know, rather than putting the blame on someone else, just being like, maybe we get another person in here to kind of help us to maintain that. I have, and this is where you get to like say, I have a class at starts at 5.30 and I really need to leave at five o'clock regularly, right? Um, they may not even recognize that, you know, 
weekly they have this crisis. Or, hey, I know that on Thursdays those productivity reports are due. Can we start, can you give me that information ahead of time? Or can you give me the data so that I can run it so I'm not staying here till 6.30? Because again, I have an obligation. I need to leave by 5. Staying late on Thursdays is not okay for me. So either we make it due on another, another day or you give me the information ahead of time, whatever it is to set that boundary. And then you say, like, I need to leave at 5. That's something that needs to happen consistently. How do we make that happen, right? A lot easier to do when the parameters are set up ahead of time. Difficult to do in a close relationship dynamic where, you know, some things start to happen in a pattern. We don't even recognize it, but our body will tell us ahead of time, like, oh, I get really anxious when the phone, you know, says so-and-so's name. Oh, I don't like it. Um, There's a reason for that. It's your body telling you, hey, they're probably calling and they need to borrow 20 bucks because it's the 15th and they are, you know, kind of out of cash because they don't get paid until Friday or whatever. Um, And so when you start to recognize what your feelings are, set the boundary, consistently follow up with, yeah, remember how we talked about that? I'm not doing that anymore. Um, It seems like you're in a crisis a lot around this time or with this person or you know, insert whatever thing here. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that for you anymore. I, I'm not. I'm really taking some space for myself. I'm really managing me, and then managing yourself to be like, it's okay to set a boundary. My peace is important. I should be able to say no to someone and still have a relationship with them. If I'm getting more positive things from the relationship than crises, then you know. Whether or not they respect it, I still need to respect myself. I still need to be okay if they don't like me, want to spend time with me. You know, I'm not their Thursday drinking buddy anymore because I have this class or I've taken this class so that I'm not their Thursday drinking buddy anymore. Um, But really paying attention to, are you communicating that? Not when you are frustrated and angry, but ahead of time. You recognizing, I'm going to manage my behavior. I am not going to do X, Y, Z thing. I am not going to pick you up or babysit for you or do these things. And I want to know when other times are we spending time together when it's not me helping you out or bailing you out of a crisis or managing things for you. Then I have to take care of myself and be like, I'm okay if... I don't talk to them regularly. I'm okay if they don't want to spend time with me in the same way that they did because I've set this limit or boundary. And I have to take care of the the me that used to get a payoff from that. I have to take care of the me that really wanted you to like me, to love me, to spend time with me. I have to give that to myself. Because the thing about doing this work and learning how to manage your codependency and learning how to create boundaries in your life is you are going to lose people. There will be people who no longer see value in spending time with you. And that is kind of gross. It feels like shit when somebody's like, we used to be a lot funner when you would pick me up on Friday mornings and we'd go get a burrito after happy hour on Thursday. Well, I I don't want to go get a burrito with drunk ass you after going to pick up your car. Like that's just not fun for me. Um, I don't like having to constantly, you know, be your ATM because you didn't budget appropriately. I don't like it when 
I go to family events and I'm expected to set up and clean up and I'm not having any fun when we're there, right? And so it's a lot of layers and when they are not reciprocating or, you know, even respecting you when you set the boundary, it's not any fun when you're like, we used to hang out and do these things. I'm working and growing and changing and you're not. And I love you. I really, you know, value who you are as a human. I may not value you in my experience anymore. And that sucks. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult when someone says, well, you're used to be fun and now you're not. <laughs> you used to be a lot better at giving me money on Thursdays um, or giving me a ride or whatever. And then, you know, they're not in your experience anymore. You, what you might find is you have more time, you have more money, and you have a little bit more self-respect. You have a little bit more self-love to be like, actually, I really like my peace. I really like when I have an extra 20 bucks at the end of the week because I didn't fucking give it to you. Um, I really like that I can sleep through the night and not have to worry that you're going to call me with a crisis. And that feels better than how it felt to take care of you. It feels better than having to always worry when the phone lights up and it's your name. I want to be able to spend time with you when it's not about a crisis. I want to be able to spend time with you when it's not about what I can do for you, but just, you know, how we interact together. And that's going to feel better. It's going to feel like shit for a while first, right? But paying attention to who's dragging you into their crisis, who's pulling you into their drama, and then I consistently have to choose me. I consistently have to choose how I feel before I can jump in and save you all the time, even though I've done it for like, sometimes your whole life. And when you can take a step back, recognize your peace is more important, that you, you know, feel better when you don't always have to do this. And you know what, you might be surprised. They might go, okay, cool, I'm not calling you on Friday morning. I'm gonna call so-and-so, I'm gonna get an Uber, whatever. Let's go to breakfast on Thursday, you know, in the morning. Let's go have some time together on a Sunday. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit more about what budgeting looks like. And then, you know, you can help in a different way. And you don't always have to be the person that they are needing in that crisis, right? You don't, it, they could be like, hey, I went and saw a therapist and you were right. And, you know, whatever. That would be lovely. Uh, most ideal scenario. But, you know, you can offer it. Hey, I went and saw a therapist. That was really cool. You might want to check it out. Can't see mine because she moved to Greece. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I hope that answered some of your questions. Um, I did shoot a um, question on Instagram and I got some responses. So uh, that was kind of helpful. And then follow up from last time. I'll be back next Friday. We will talk about something new and different. Um, I'm going to end the live. It was really good seeing you guys. And I hope that was helpful. If you do have questions, um, lx2.code.coach at gmail. Um, you can reach me on LunaX2 uh, on Instagram, x to the Zenial underscore podcast on Instagram, uh, luna-x2-llc on Facebook. So many ways to get a hold of me. And if you're lucky enough to have my number, 
you can do that too. I'll take, um, I'll take care. You take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right. That is the end of the podcast. We ended the live video on Instagram. Um, you guys know how to get a hold of me. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for engaging. I'll be back next Friday. Take care.